He could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hand on a few sick folks and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me, and let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have again to stand in behind this sacred desk and to minister the Word of God to your people. I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon myself to speak what you would have me to say tonight. And Lord, also the anointing upon this congregation that you would anoint them to, uh, to receive the Word of God, to hear and to understand and receive the Word of God. My prayer tonight, Father, is that our faith will be built up, that our faith would be fortified and strengthened tonight in a special way. In Jesus' name, have your way in our lives, and we give you praise for it. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, if you were here this morning, um, I, I began this message, and I wanted to try to get it all in one shot, but I didn't feel like that I was going to be able to do that. It was going to take, I was going to have to take two, two runs at it to get it all in. And, um, but I made a statement this morning that I want to repeat to you tonight, and that is that the measure of your failure or success as a Christian, it is all wrapped up and lies in your faith, in your belief, in where you are with your faith. Whether you fail or whether you succeed as a Christian depends upon your faith and your believing. The Bible tells us plainly that it's according to your faith so be it unto you. Jesus said that on, on many occasions to several different occasions to individuals that he healed or that came to him for healing and he healed and he said, uh, he would say according to your faith or as you have believed, so be it unto you. John in his first epistle said that, that, the, that our faith, that our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So you're not going to even be able to overcome the world, the flesh, or the devil unless you are operating in faith. And so many people fall by the wayside and lose out with God and, and uh, don't finish the Christian race that they started or the Christian race that they began simply because they stop believing and they lose their faith and lose their way. When you lose your faith, you lose your way. So it's very important that we understand that. It's not according to how we feel. It's not according to who our friends are. It's not according to our fame. It's not according to our fortune. But our success or our failure is according to our faith. So it's very, very important then that we have a faith in Jesus Christ, in His finished work, and a faith in the Word of God that is strong, that is steadfast, that is, that is, that is, that is uh, there for us when we need Him. Amen. When we need Him. And so we, under, we need to understand that today. We've got to have a solid, strong, unwavering faith. And so we found out this morning that Jesus here goes to His own hometown, the town of Nazareth where he grew up, 
And uh, he was very well known here in Nazareth. As I said this morning, he, was, he spent about 28 years of his life here. Of his 30, he's about 30 years old now. And he's been there since he was uh, a child, since two years old. He's grown up in the city of Nazareth. And uh, so they knew him. He worked in the carpenter shop, Joseph's carpenter shop there. He was a carpenter by trade. And so they knew him. And uh, here he comes back after he has been baptized by John. He's began his public ministry. And he comes back to Nazareth, to his hometown, to minister to them. And you find exactly what happened in Luke chapter 4, how he read from the scroll of Isaiah. He read that passage of Isaiah, what we know as Isaiah 61. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, to, to recover the sight of the blind. And he gave all those things, preached deliverance to the captive, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And they knew in that, in that synagogue that morning, those people in Nazareth knew that the scripture he was reading related to and referred to the Messiah. And then when he sat down and said, This day is this, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, that was a little more than they could take. They couldn't receive that. They couldn't receive him. And they, you know, here because, because of the Bible says, because of their unbelief, they stopped, their, they, they prevented the Lord from doing great things there in their community and in their town. And the Bible said that they, uh, they, uh, they, that Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. It was literally their unbelief that had tied his hands and fettered his hands and chained the work and stopped the work of the Lord Jesus Christ there and stopped him and prevented him from doing great things. Can you imagine the awesome miracles that he wanted to do there in Nazareth among his own people and those whom he had known all of his life? He had done so many wonderful things in other towns and in other cities, in Capernaum and different places. And now he comes to Nazareth and he wants to do great things, but he can't because they simply would not believe him. And Matthew makes it very clear in Matthew 13 and 58 that it was because of their unbelief. It said that he did not many works there because of their unbelief. And we need to understand that tonight, that the enemy will attack us with doubt. He will attack us with unbelief. But unbelief, doubt and unbelief are the thieves that will rob you and I of receiving the best that God has for our life. You can tie the hands of the Lord. You can limit the power of God that He wants to release in your life and operate in your life by not believing Him and having faith in what He, what he can and wants to do in your life. Can I get an amen? And I think we're all in agreement on that, that it is a life of faith that we're living. And so... God is looking for a group of people that will believe God and that will take the limitations off of the Lord 
and will believe him for great things. We're, he's looking for a group of people that will, that will ask him for great and mighty things. He said in, in uh, Jeremiah 33 and 3 that he said, Call upon me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things which you know not. And so there's some great things that God wants to do in our lives. And, you know, I don't want Jesus looking at me and, and, and being astonished at me because of my doubts and unbelief. I don't want Jesus looking at my life and saying, why don't you believe me? Haven't I proved myself to you? Why don't you believe me? I want Jesus to marvel at me because I have some faith in him. And I told you this morning, there was only two times, two places in the Gospels where Jesus marveled. He marveled at the unbelief of these people in Nazareth, and he marveled at the faith of the centurion that believed him for the healing of his servant. So he marveled marveled at unbelief and he marveled at faith. So if Jesus is going to marvel at something in my life and in your life, if he's going to marvel about something in Abundant Life Family Church, wouldn't you want it to be your faith? Amen. Wouldn't you want it to be because you're believing him and you're trusting him? Amen. So I, uh, I, I, want, to, uh, I want us to look again tonight at uh, some of the things that we can do, you know, because that we can do to, um, to build up our faith, to overcome this Nazareth syndrome of doubt and unbelief, and to build a great faith and to have a strong, steadfast, steadfast faith. And so I, I gave you the very first point this morning of this message. We introduced it. We gave you the background. I gave you the background. And then the very first point was this, that we are not to let our faith be fettered by our feelings. And feelings, feelings uh, will betray us because they're changeable. But, you know, faith, faith operates and must operate outside of our feelings of how we feel. It's easy for you and I to get over into those realm of uh, the realm of feelings and uh, you know well you know and that's where most Christians do live. When you know we go by whether we feel good or whether we feel bad, we feel up or we feel down and those feelings are going to change. You don't, you know, you're not always going to be, um, as Brother Rod Vincent says, flying higher than a Georgia pine. You're not always going to be up there, you know, walking on cloud nine and, 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 and feeling up and good. There's going to be some times in your life that you feel a little bit down. But, you know, our feelings will change. But the Word of God never does change. No matter how you and I, you or I feel about something, um, you know, the, the fact is, what does the Word of God have to say about it? So our faith cannot be governed by how we feel. Amen? I gave you a couple of illustrations this morning, you know, about, about myself, used myself. I don't like to do that very often. Often, but I used myself this morning in an illustration, in some illustrations concerning this. That you know, I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like when I do pray. Man, there are some times, you know, when the glory of God comes in, and boy, you just you know that you know that you know that God is there and God is listening and God is hearing your prayer. You you know what I'm talking about. 
And we've all been there in that place. But how many knows there's other times that you'll go to prayer and you just don't feel like you're getting through. You don't feel like, you don't feel like God's hearing you. You don't feel like God's answering you. And of course, the devil's always there to tell you, well, you know, uh, God's not here. You don't feel him today, do you? You don't feel, you don't feel his presence today. But, you know, we go through those times when we don't feel like God is hearing us and prayer can be a struggle. I told you this morning, I, you know, I, 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 uh, I confessed to everybody here that was here this morning and told you I don't always feel like preaching. You know, the Bible says open, you know, people say open confession is good for the soul. It may be bad for your reputation, but it's good for the soul. Amen? And so, you know, I don't always feel like preaching. I don't always feel like going to church. Come on, somebody. Amen? And I know some of y'all don't. You know, there's times after I've preached, I get up and I come here on Sunday mornings, early, early on Sunday mornings, and I pray and I prepare myself and get ready for the service. And then, you know, I give my all and preach and, and, and share the Word of God. And when, when Sunday afternoon comes after service, I'm just physically drained. And there are many, 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 many times that I'll be kicked back in that recliner. Sister Leona tried to call me today. I think I was napping when she called and I didn't get, get the call. But there's many times I'll be kicked back in that recliner and it's time to get up and get ready to go to church on Sunday night. And I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily particularly feel like getting up and going. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. But see, that's where you've got to push those feelings aside and do the right thing and do what you know that you need to do and come to church whether you feel like coming to church or not. Amen? So the point is, you know, I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like the God is there when I'm praying. I don't always feel like... I thank God for those emotions. I'm an emotional person. I thank God for the emotions, uh, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong. When, listen, when the feelings are there, you enjoy them. That's wonderful. But you don't live by that, all right? You follow what I'm saying? You don't live by that. When the feelings are not there, you cannot let your faith be governed by the way you feel. Because when I feel down, God is still the same God that he was when I was up on the mountain. Amen. There's a, an old uh, Southern Gospel song says that. He's, he's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. He's the God of the, in the good times. He's the God in the bad times. He's the same God. He never changes. So our faith has got to be based on the Word and not on, on our feelings. That was the Nazareth syndrome. They didn't feel like Jesus was who that he proclaimed himself to be so they allowed their feelings to govern their faith and ultimately led to them being in unbelief so we have to we have to to um, go by faith and not by feelings so the second thing uh, the second thing that I want to bring to your attention tonight is this praise the Lord and that is don't let your faith be altered by appearance. Don't let your faith be altered by appearance. 
Now, the, the Nazareth syndrome um, lives only by its five senses. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those, they're in Nazareth. When they were in that unbelief, they were living by their five senses. And the model of those there at Nazareth was this. It was what you see is what you get. And so they saw Jesus as just an ordinary carpenter. They saw Jesus, and you know, they said, we know who he is. He's just an ordinary carpenter. We've known him all these years. And they would not believe who he said that he was. See, faith, hear, hear this, these, these people at Nazareth, their unbeliefs, you know, their unbelief, their model was what you see is what you get, but faith doesn't say that. Faith says this, what you don't see is what you get. What you don't see is what you get. You've got to look with the eye of faith and see what you don't see with the natural eye. That, that verse of Scripture that gives in Hebrews 11 and 1 that gives the definition of faith says that it's the evidence of things, what? That I'm looking at? No. Faith is the evidence, it's the title deed, it's the proof of things that are not seen. So faith, faith, true faith in the Lord, it, 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 it looks at something besides the natural. Now, we're not saying that we deny what's, what we see in the natural, but the fact of the matter is that we've got to look beyond the natural to that which is not seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 18. Um, Paul gives us a scripture here and talks to us and tells us uh, this, and, and you know, he explains this very principle here and that faith is what you, faith says that what you don't see is what you get. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. He said, while we do not look at the things which are what? which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's talking about think, two different things here. He's talking about things that you see with these eyes, with this physical sense and in this physical realm, and he's talking about things that cannot be seen, that are in the spiritual realm. And we all know there are, there's more than, the, than just this natural, physical realm. Are you with me? There's a spiritual realm today. God's in that realm. And so the, the Apostle Paul says that we're not to look at or to focus on, I think would be a better way to say it, we're not to focus on the things that are seen, but on the things which are not seen. When we focus on that which is seen in this present world, we're getting our eyes off the Word of God and off the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul said that this is the way that we are to live our life. We are to live our life walking by faith. We live, the just shall live how? By faith. Paul went on to, to clarify that and said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, he said, for we walk by faith and not by 
sight. Amen? So the life that you live as a believer, as a child of God, is a life that is lived by faith in Christ and faith in His Word. And so our faith cannot be altered by appearance or the way things seem to be. We have to continue to look at the things that are not seen and walk by faith and live by faith and not by sight. And that's, you know, that's exactly how the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that's exactly how Moses made it through. Now Moses was pastoring a, 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 large, a rather large church of several million people and they were all, listen, listen, Moses, Moses as a, as a shepherd, as a leader, as a pastor had his hands full. He had, he had several million people that he was pastor of and he could never get them in together. He could never get them in unity. They were always complaining. It didn't matter what happened or what went on they were always complaining to him about something. They would be upset and frustrated because they didn't get what they want, wanted, and so it was always Moses' fault. And he listened to them complain, and he listened to them gripe, and he listened to them murmur, and he, he watched them as they, they wanted to always want, there's always looking back to Egypt, let's go back to Egypt, why did you bring us out here, what did, we told you we didn't want to go, we told you we wanted to stay in Egypt, but yet you brought us out here to die in this wilderness, and, and Moses had to deal with that group for 40 years, <laughs> amen. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you how he endured. Because the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that it says that Moses endured. In, in Hebrews eleven twenty seven. it said that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. He was seeing beyond the natural. Now, he, you know, he was dealing with what was going on, but the only way that he could endure all that and make it through that wilderness and that experience was he had to look to the Lord. He could not allow his faith to be altered by appearance. He had to look to the Lord. He had to see him who was invisible. And the only way that you can do that is with the eye of faith. Faith is a, you know, we have five physical senses, but faith is that sixth sense that sees what these natural eyes cannot see. Somebody said, well, I don't know if that's so or not, Brother Rick. Well, you, listen, listen, you remember, you remember Elisha's servant when Dothan was surrounded by the Syrian army and, and the servant of Elisha went out and said, well, we're in a mess. We're surrounded by the armies of Syria. What are we going to do? And remember Elisha said to him, what did he say to him? He said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't worry about that. He said, there's more that be with us than there are that be with them. And that servant of Elisha thought that, you know, Elisha, he's, he's flipped out. Because, I mean, it's obvious. I see the Syrian army surrounding me. I'm, I'm looking at the appearance. I can see what we're up against. And here the man of God, Elisha, is telling him, don't, 
pay any attention to what you're seeing because there's more with us. Trust me, there's more with us than there are with them. And then he said, he prayed a prayer. Remember that? He prayed a prayer and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Well, he's looking with his natural eyes, but Elisha is telling, asking the Lord to open the man's spiritual eyes, to let him see what is invisible. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And when the Lord answered that prayer, he opened that, that servant's eyes and he saw the, the mountains all around the city uh, uh, surrounding Elisha. Uh, they was filled with horses and chariots of fire. The angels of the Lord were surrounding him. He looked into, he was able to look into the spirit realm. If God were to open our spiritual eyes tonight and just let us see what is with us the presence of the angels of the Lord that are encamped around about those who fear and serve the Lord. Amen? So we've, we can't go by, uh, live our life by, or have our faith altered by what everything appears to be. We have got to pull back the curtain of physical sight every single day so that we can get a glimpse of Him who is invisible. And I'm going to tell you what, that is what gets me through every day. When I can see Him with the eye of faith, when I know that the Lord is with me and He's there for me and He's on my side, and when I know there's more that are for us than there are that are against us, I can make it through and you can make it through as well. Can I get an amen? Give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, the world says, you know, and you've heard it, we've all said it, the world says seeing is believing. But you know, the Bible is exactly opposite to that. You know, we're in the show me state. You show me. I got to see it. Seeing is believing. And, and sadly, that's the motto of a lot of Christians. Well, if I can see it, I believe it. But God's just totally opposite. The Word of God's totally opposite. He says, if you will believe it, then you will see it. When Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, you know, and, and uh, he, he got there and he told them, he said, roll the stone away. And you remember, uh, was it Mary or Martha? One of them said, oh, Lord, don't do that. He's been dead four days. He's stinking by now. You know, he's, don't, don't do that. And remember what Jesus said to her? He said, Mary, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Amen? He didn't say, I'm going to show you the glory of God. I'm going to show you the miracle, then you'll believe it. You don't need to believe for it after you see it. You know it. You've got it. It's tangible then. But the way that God operates is, Jesus said, if you will believe, then you'll see. That's the way it is with faith. Amen? It's believing in the unseen and believing God to do things that we cannot see believing that God has heard us and answered us when we don't have any tangible evidence. And that was the problem here in Nazareth. With that Nazareth syndrome, they were governed by those five senses. And listen to me, church, we've got to operate as saints of God and as a church on that sixth sense of faith and believe God for great and mighty things. Too many are operating in the Thomas 
kind of faith. You know how Thomas was after the resurrection. Jesus appeared to the disciples, and Thomas was absent on that Sunday night. Remember that? He wasn't there. And so when he, uh, he gets there, you know, and they said, Hey, Jesus was here. We saw the Lord. Jesus was here. And, and Thomas said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You got, I have to see it. I'd have to see that to believe it. I won't believe that. I tell you what, I would have to see the nail prints in his hands. I would have to see the, 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 where the spear went in his side. I'd even have to touch those nail prints before I could believe it. Can you see where Thomas is operating from? I got to see it. I got to touch it. I have to handle it. I have to live with it. And then I will believe it. That's the way. We, 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 we talk about him. What do we use? What, what's the nickname we have for him? Doubting Thomas. Isn't that right? And you ever, you ever had anybody call you that and say, well, you're just an old doubting Thomas? Well, you know, we talk about him being a doubter and about doubting Thomas, but how many of us do the same thing? We do the same thing when we say, well, I've got to see it first. But that's not the way it works. Amen? Thomas said, I've got to see him first. I've got to touch him. And eight days later, Jesus came back, and Thomas was there that night, and he just walked through the wall, Jesus did, in his glorified body. He just walked through the wall, and the first one he spoke to was Thomas. He said, hey, Tom, here I am. Come over here. Here, look at the nail prints in my hands and the, where the spear went in my side. Come on, Thomas, put your finger in those nail prints and see that I am alive and do not be a doubter, but be a believer. Don't be full of unbelief, but believe. Be a believer. Amen. And all Thomas could say was, my Lord and my God. And, and Jesus pronounced a blessing that day. And he said, Thomas, you had to see me to believe. But blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. See, it's not the appearance of how things look. Things can look bad in our, in our life. Our circumstances can look bad. Our, 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 our life can, you know, everything can seem like it's falling apart and look like it's falling apart, but faith, even in the face of the appearances of those tragedies in our life, faith still says, I believe God is there for me. I believe He is with me, and He's going to work everything out and bring me through to victory in my life. Amen. Can you give the Lord a praise tonight? Praise God. So don't let your faith be fettered by feelings. Don't let your faith be altered by appearance. And thirdly, don't let your faith be limited by logic. Don't let your faith be limited by logic. Now these people in Nazareth, they had, they had, it, all, they had it all figured out. They had Jesus all figured out. They said, we know him. He's one of us. We're, we're not too much, so he can't be much. Remember I told you this morning, remember was it, was it Philip? One of, the, one of them said, uh, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
There wasn't much good that came out of Nazareth. There was one that did, and that was the Lord. Amen? But they had Jesus already all figured out, and they said, well, he's, you know, he can't be too much. He's just, an, he's just a carpenter. And so they reasoned, they reasoned and figured this out in their mind. He can't be because of where he came from, because of what, how he grew up. We know him. He can't be who he claims to be. He can't be the Messiah. So they reasoned themselves because it didn't make sense to them in their, in, you know, logically, it made no sense to them that this carpenter was the Son of God. And can I tell you something? That most of the time, the things God does in our life and the way He moves in our life doesn't make sense to our, our reasoning or to our logic. That's why we have to trust Him and have faith in him. Amen? And so they thought they had it all figured out. They reasoned themselves out of faith. But here's the thing. Listen, here's the thing we need to understand this evening, and that is that faith, when you believe God, faith goes beyond reason. Now, I'm not telling you to throw away all logic and all reason, but faith goes beyond reason and rises higher than reason because reasoning and logic tries to figure everything all out mentally. But faith believes God and faith trusts God. How many times have we done that? We, we've had a situation in our life and we'll sit down and try to reason it out and figure it out and think it out in our mind. And what can I do in this situation? If I would do this or if I would do that or if I would do this. And, and we, we, you know, we'll just worry ourselves into a frenzy many times trying to figure stuff out. But, but God, but God and faith works outside or goes beyond reasoning. Now, let me give you an example, and we'll, we'll close. Let me give you an example. In John chapter 6, there was the occasion, John's, John's, in John's uh, 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 giving of the feeding of the 5,000. In John chapter 6. And so there's a great multitude that have followed Jesus to where he is, 5,000 men besides their families. And so Jesus is preparing to feed this multitude. They've been with him for a while, and he doesn't want to send them away hungry, so he's preparing to feed this multitude. And so in John's account of this story, in John 6, it says that Jesus turned to Philip. And he asked Philip, he said, Hey, Philip, look at all these folks. Where are we going to get food to feed all these people? Jesus is asking him a question. And the Bible said, I love what the Bible says. It says that the reason Jesus asked Philip that was that he was just testing him. Because it said Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I don't know about anybody else, but every time I read that, that excites me. Jesus was asking Philip, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed this group of people? And he was testing him. Jesus already knew. Do you know Jesus 
already knows what he's going to do in your life and in your situation before the problem ever arises. He's already got a solution to the problem before it already comes. Listen, there is no panic in heaven, only plans. God has plans. God's not wringing his hands worrying about or wondering about what he's going to do. God always has a plan. And so he's testing Philip. And he says, where are we going to get food to feed all of these people? And so Philip has this all figured out. Philip pulls out his iPhone. <laughs> and he, uh, he gets the calculator out. And he's looking at the crowd and he's calculating and he's figuring this all out. You know, he's figuring all up. Of course, we know he didn't have a pocket calculator and he didn't have an iPhone, amen. But, uh, but he, he, he maybe gets his pencil and paper out and he's figuring this all up. And he, 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 gets, he, get, he comes to the Lord and he says, Well, Jesus, I think that I've got this all figured out. Here is the way I have it figured that it would take... Uh, it it would take a year's wages. If we had a year's wages, it would take that much just to buy enough food to give everyone just a little bit to eat. I mean, if we, now Lord, if we were close to a Walmart or if we were near a Save-A-Lot or a Shop and Save, if we were close and if we had a whole year's wages, to spend on food, then we would have enough. That's the way I got it figured, Lord. That's, I, I'm, that's my logic. I, I, I figured then everybody could have just a little bit. The thing was this. He had it all figured out in his mind, but there wasn't a Walmart. There wasn't any grocery store, and they didn't have a whole year's wages to spend on food. Do you know what they did have? Peter said, Peter's standing there. Philip's got this all figured out in his mind, and Peter said, well, the only thing that I know is this. Here's Peter's logic. Here's Peter's logic. Peter says, well, there's a little boy here that's got his sack lunch, and he's got some loaves, five barley loaves, and two, and it's, he stressed the fact that there were two small fish. And he should know, Brother Dave, he's a fisherman, Peter was, you know. So he'd know these are a couple of, couple of sardines. We got five. <laughs> we, got, we got five. We got five little loaves of bread, and we got two a couple of sardines. And then he said, that's it. But then here was Peter's logic. He said, what is that among so many? There's so many people. This is not going to do anything for them. So Peter's got it figured out that they can't feed them with a sack lunch. Um, Philip's got it figured out that they don't have the money or a place to buy the food. So their logic is, we basically don't know what's going to happen. That, you know, we don't know. But thank God, there was, there was one thing that they left out of the equation. When they did their figuring, they, they left one important item out 
of the equation, and that was the fact that Jesus was there with them. And Jesus always does know what he's going to do in every situation. Are, are you following what I'm saying? See, we can, we, can, we can try to reason all of our problems out in our mind and figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, but I'm telling you, when you figure Jesus into the equation, he always knows what to do, and he always knows how to work everything out. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. See, Philip, yeah. Philip's faith was limited by his logic. But when Jesus was included, now here they've got these, here they've got this little sack lunch of this little boy. You know, somebody said, these guys that are always trying to explain away the miracles of the Bible, this, you know, somebody said, yeah, well, that was possible for that to happen because you have to understand that in those days it was, it was common for the loaves of bread to be extremely large. Well, they, they, failed to, they failed to mention that one little boy brought them in his lunchbox, so they couldn't have been very large. And Peter stressed that they were small fish. And so we're, we're, we're seeing a miracle take place here, amen? And so when Jesus, when, when they took what they had and they brought it to the Lord, and when Jesus was included in the figuring, and they forgot about the year's wages that they didn't have, and they forgot about everything else, and they included Jesus, and they brought the little lunch to Jesus, Jesus took that and took that little lunch and fed over 5,000 people with those five loaves of bread and those two sardines. He fed 5,000 people and they gathered up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Are you with me? Hallelujah. See, the appearance was, the logic was, the reasoning was it can't be done. And we do that all the time. We, we reason it out in our mind that it can't be done but we got to figure Jesus in the equation. We got to come out of the Nazareth syndrome and have faith to believe that the Lord can take care of every situation in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the Nazareth syndrome. Faith that is limited by reason and logic and fettered by feelings and altered by appearance. But God is saying tonight to us, take the limits off of God. See, logic says, well, this disease is incurable. I guess I'll just have to die and not live. But faith says nothing is too hard for the Lord. Faith says God can do anything. Logic says, well, you know, and there's a lot of people saying, you know, if I would tithe and give to the church, then I just wouldn't be able to pay my bills. I just can't afford to tithe. That's what logic says. Logic puts it all on paper and figures it all out and says, I just don't have any leftover to tithe. You know what? You don't tithe from your leftover. You tithe off the tithe. Amen. That's the first 10%. And you know what? Faith says if I will tithe and give God the first fruits and put him first in my life, I believe that he'll do what he said and he'll open the windows of heaven and he'll pour out a blessing on my life. And, and I believe, here's what faith says. Faith says if I'll put God first and tithe, do you know what the Lord can do? He can take the 90% that's left over and put his blessing on that 90% and that 90% will go farther than the 
100% would have went without the blessing of God on it. Amen? See, we try to figure it all out logically. And all God is wanting us to do is to say, oh, we just believe you. We trust you. Our faith is in you. Oh, hallelujah. We can't be like they were at Nazareth. We've got to have faith in the Lord. Unbelief is that enemy that has to be defeated. And faith will bring that victory every single time. Amen? Let's stand tonight. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen? Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. So listen to me, saints. Let's get in His Word. Let's claim His promises. Let's believe what He says. And praise Him for the answers before they're ever manifested. Amen? To praise Him and thank Him. Before we ever see the victory, that's what faith does. Faith is able to praise and give thanks to the Lord for the answer before it ever comes. The Bible says for us to, in everything, give thanks to praise Him in every situation. And when we, when we do that, it just does something for us. Amen. It changes our outlook on life. Praise God. They're going to sing something tonight. Amen. Father, we just thank You tonight for the privilege that we've had to come together and worship You. Thank You for Your Word tonight. I pray and trust that you will encourage the hearts of your people this evening with the word of the Lord. That this day, being in your presence and worshiping you has been a time of, of uplifting and, and strengthening and encouraging for each and every one of us in, here at Abundant Life Family Church. I thank you tonight, Lord, for your blessings. I thank you that you are helping us, every one of us, to trust in you more. Lord, we come tonight against doubt and unbelief that would try to fetter the minds and fetter the faith of your people, that would try to hinder us in our believing. And Lord, we make a bold proclamation tonight that we believe you and our faith is in you, what you've done for us. Faith is in your promise, in your word. We lay claim to your blessings tonight. And by faith we receive them. I ask you to move, Lord, in every heart and life. You know the needs here in this service tonight. The needs in every life. Whatever every individual may be facing here this evening. You know what that is. And I'm asking you tonight that you will meet every need. Strengthen our hearts tonight, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's gather in around the altar tonight, and let's just spend a little time in the altar talking to the Lord, seeking Him, asking Him tonight to minister to our lives. Whatever you have need of, just lay it on this altar. Let's draw close to Jesus tonight. Receive from Him what He has for us. Hallelujah.
it be your name when the sun's shining down on me when the world's all as it should be blessed be your name blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering though there's pain in the offering blessed be your name day in the house of God today. It's been a good, it's been a good Lord's day today. Praise God. Have a great rest of the week. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. We love you and appreciate you. Shake hands, be friendly. Have a great week this week. Amen. Keep the praises of God flowing in your life.